Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. And now we suddenly can't speak as soon as we put our microphones on. It's just like, how do words work? (laughs) (laughs) This is bitching. Every week we talk about a different person. We dissect them. We veer wildly off track. And this week we are talking about... I've forgotten his name. (laughs) Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) Wait, I've got to get it up. Jack Dorsey. Good work. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) shall i read his wiki yeah let's do it what's weird is when i've come off our zoom it's just carried my face over but left you behind so all i can do now is see myself oh i look lovely (laughs) i put on makeup for you today did you yeah first time in a week but your skin is so lovely when you wear makeup it just looks exactly the same as when you don't wear makeup (laughs) whereas like the transformation in me from like when i'm my true potato form and then when i put on foundation and mascara is like i go from a four to an 8.5 <laughs> in 20 minutes whereas there's no saving me i'm just a consistent six <laughs> <laughs> no you're just consistently hot stop jack dorsey jack patrick dorsey born november 19th 1976 which makes him 43 is an american computer programmer and internet entrepreneur Bernier. <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were gonna <laughs> I was waiting for you to pull me up (laughs) Internet entrepreneur (laughs) How do you say that word? I I don't know anymore I know how I want to say it for the rest of my life Say it again, please Internet entrepreneur It's not as funny as the second time But the first time, really Oh, that gave me something to live for For 20 seconds (laughs) He's the co-founder and CEO of Twitter and the founder and CEO of Square, a mobile payments company. Not as interesting. Well, maybe it is. Oh, we'll, okay. We'll find out. We'll find out. Oh, wish I'd done a bit more Googling on that one then. <laughs> <laughs> so you texted me earlier and you said that you like him. I love him. Which you usually do with everyone until I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> They're evil reconsider do you know what it is it's that i was surprised that i liked him because i knew all the reasons yeah. not to like him and then when i actually listened to interviews and watched his ted talk and stuff i was really enamored you look disgusted i'm not disgusted i just like i i i had to like train myself to listen to his voice <gasps> like literally everything is like this and it's all in the same tone and completely and actually you can't tune into anything that he's saying because he just talks like a robot and everything and it's what we really need to do going forward is we really like oh my god what's not great about that that's great 
Well, it's great if he's telling you to suck his dick, but not like if he's <laughs> trying to impart useful information about the direction of his um, very important company. But what what was it about him that you so that got you got you going? Because I'm not I'm not completely yeah yeah you know I think so when he was younger he was a fashion model in his youth, but then at the age of fourteen he got really into dynamic routing, which I then got in a big hole about what the hell that was, and apparently it's yeah it's basically logistics right yeah it's like the software. The clearest example is what taxi companies use. So at the age of 14, mm-hmm. he created this software that is still used by taxi companies that's something to do with how you manage all of that then. That's very impressive. It is very impressive. And it, it, it is sweet to imagine like a 14-year-old being really interested in like... He says that in one of his interviews that he was really interested in cities and how cities work and how things get around. And that's when he got into learning about what is it dynamic routing dynamic routing that's when he got into that and it is it is very sweet a sweet image and in a way twitter is sort of an extension of that isn't it so then he went to university for two years somewhere i can't remember where and he dropped out and he went to new york university for another year and then he dropped out so he never it's that kind of classic thing the steve Jobs. they all drop out though yeah yeah exactly it's that kind of classic tech brain thing of not really fitting within conventional educational roots but during his time in New York as a student is when he first kind of came up with this concept for Twitter which originally the idea was for a short form messaging service exactly exactly um basically Mm. texts but everybody can see them which I think if you first you know when it first came about I remember being like what the hell is this like what a your brain to imagine something like that working in the way that it now does I think is is genuinely just really impressive. Yeah, to have thought of that like before the internet really became what it is now is is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. But I mean it's interesting. Um I wonder why so many genius types or CEO types drop out of university because it seems to be a recurring thing. Yeah, it seems to be a thing in people particularly who are entrepreneurs people who people who have got something that they're interested in creating for example with with the Steve Jobs thing because actually just learning for learning's sake is what university kind of is for and that doesn't necessarily if you're quite an ambitious person who's looking to just be creative and be creating then it does sort of limit you I guess doesn't it being having to study just for the sake of passing it passing an exam rather than for the sake of founding twitter or founding apple it's not really goal oriented i guess university it's just like be smart and think about things and if you're like that's a fucking waste of time because i want to do this and this and this and i already know what i want to do i guess maybe it's that yeah i think you're right and i guess if you're age 14 able to do such um high tech programming that still is being used by taxi companies, then you probably also aren't necessarily being that intellectually stimulated by sitting in a classroom with people like me. You know, I went to university and <laughs> sat next to me and be like, what am I doing here? She can't read. Because <laughs> <laughs> he did say in one of his, um, an interview with him that he, he never wanted to be an engineer or a computer science person. He just learned it because it was the route into doing what he wanted to do, what he was interested in doing. 
which was the dynamic routing and all that kind of logistical stuff. So he's clearly always been someone who goes, I go from point A to point B and I just do it. That's so interesting. And I think in terms of answering your thing about what it is that I like about him, I think Twitter, since he first came up with that conceptual idea for it, has massively spiralled into something he even never imagined it would be. And in this TED talk, but also in a lot of the way that he's sort of developing his company, he does seem to be genuinely responding to that and the fact that Twitter is now such an abusive place and has so so many I think there was there was an Amnesty International paper that found it studied like a subset of women of colour on Twitter and it found that one in ten of the tweets that they received was some form of harassment, which I mean is just completely insane. And yeah. he does seem to for example in this TED talk he just said this is a problem and this is something that we need to be solving and it's Twitter he took responsibility as Twitter Twitter CEO that it was Twitter's kind of fault that this had been allowed to happen. When you talk about the TED talk, are you talking about the interview that yeah, yeah, was ha- yeah. that happened? I mean, because he gets pretty... He doesn't come off super well in all of that interview. That's true. It's called How Twitter Needs to Change. No, that's true, and they really challenge him in that interview. It's worth a watch. Mm. Go on then, why is he evil? I don't think he's evil. I just think... Like, it, it took him so long to even get to a place where they did anything about the amount of Nazis that were on Twitter. Like, like you know, in this interview, the, the, thing about, the thing about Twitter is it's a medium in the same way the printing press or the fucking newspapers or whatever is a medium. So it has a massive impact on our culture. And we've seen that with Facebook, with the kind of how the election was, you know even Brexit, you know, stuff like that, it has the potential to spread a massive amount of misinformation very quickly in a way that other mediums don't because they've always been more traditionally gatekeepery and you can say all sorts of things about that and whether it's good or bad or, you know. Um, But I think there's been a lot of, like, legitimate criticism of him and of the platform and I don't doubt that he probably, in his own head, has, like best intentions for it i don't know what what sort of impact has twitter had on your life um i mean i've always been really lucky on twitter i've not i've not had huge amounts of abuse i think the most abuse i had was when i tweeted about ched evans when he was back in football and suddenly just by using the words ched evans everybody who uh so he was accused of of rape and then he was found not guilty in in court and you know i really believe that he did do what he did i know that that's I don't believe that the court always there's a there's a technicality between being guilty of something and being found not guilty of something that doesn't necessarily mean you didn't do it it just means they've not managed to find substantial evidence yeah especially in sexual assault cases yeah exactly and I can't remember what I tweeted but I did get a bit of a pile on from very angry Ched Evans supporters but other than that I've not really found it to be hugely abusive personally but I recognize that it massively is what about you it's it's interesting because i guess it's one of those things where people are like oh well if you get abused just log off and don't be a part of social media which is you know to be honest gets more and more tempting every year um and i have had like breaks and stuff from social media for like a week um but you know i've met some of my best friends 
on Twitter. Dave Cribb, who produces this podcast, I met through Twitter. Did you meet on Twitter? Oh. We've met on Twitter, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So this podcast literally would not exist if it weren't for Twitter. Yeah, if it wasn't for... I've forgotten his name again. Jack Dorsey. So there we go. That's a, that's a, a huge part of... Well, why should the price of admission for some people be... I get all this hate just for existing in a way that it isn't for a white man who uses the platform. You're not going to... Yeah, you might get abused for being, like, vocal, but, you know, that's life anyway. I don't know. Like, for me personally, like, I... So in this in this interview with Jack Dorsey, he says that he wants to push more towards technology rather than humans doing the work. And I think that's... It's similar to kind of Elon Musk's philosophy about how we can change the world for the better. In their minds, technology is like the route to kind of freeing humanity from the tasks which aren't so nice, which in Twitter's case is combing through all the violent and abusive tweets that are sent to sent to people on Twitter. Yeah, so in the space of about a year, it went from if you got a tweet, you had to report it. There was zero... Mm-hmm percent kind of uh in uh twitter being responsible for it was the user was responsible for reporting it and then they have now changed that so when this uh ted talk happened which was in 2017 i think so it's been a while but it was 38 percent of abusive tweets were now proactively identified by machine learning Mm -hmm. but they're still verified by humans so in theory abusive messages should somehow be flagged by the tech mechanisms that I don't understand of Twitter but then yeah he's had algorithms algorithms that's the word that he's had still having to you know his workforce is still having to spend a huge amount of time going through these horrible messages and deciding what is and isn't abusive Mm. which I think is not ever the job that he imagined his company was going to basically be monitoring Mm. horrible bullies online that's their kind of main that's their main task isn't it it's Mm. it's bonkers and I do think you're right about um he didn't act fast enough and I think there's a huge responsibility to people like him and to Mark Zuckerberg in terms of elections and um and and monitoring the the people who are on their platforms but I also think it's so depressingly sad because the people who've actually caused it are the are the users are those people who are being abusive on line and it's and it's really depressing that that it needs that um, that level of regulation that so many people use it to be horrible to each other is um is something i in my head he was just an idealist about it and he never genuinely never envisaged that that would be the main usage of what people used it for i think that's because he in general is, seems to be quite a passionless person <laughs> Like, I don't mean that in a bad way. I think he's just a very rational man who wanted to make something cool and he wanted to, he definitely wanted to change the world. Yeah. But humans gonna human. And in in this talk, which is yeah, it it weren't viral at the time and you know, there were there was basically a the background to the talk is um people could ask him directly on Twitter, hashtag ask Jack something, and then the tweets would appear behind him during this talk. And at, at that time Twitter wasn't really doing anything. Um 
about hate speech on the platform. So it was, you know, pretty brutal. In terms of, like, the actual... He talks about um, how... So I think it comes back to this idea of he wants to push towards technology rather than humans doing the work. It's a kind of almost gamification of, like, these algorithms that he talks about, like, daily active usage and conversation chains in terms of, like, how people start conversations, how connected they are with other people, um, which you'll know if you use Twitter. Like, my feed is so curated because I've used the platform for over 10 years. Like, you know, so my experience going on Twitter is very different to someone who was to just join the platform and just follow famous people that they know, you know, already. But then when you run something that has the potential to change people's brains and change how they actually view the world and how they act within it and how they vote, I don't think we've even begun to understand the ramifications of what that could mean. And I think that's why people get so frustrated with him because even in this talk when he's like, the interviewer's like, this is democracy at stake, this is culture at stake, like, kind of being like, do you care? You know, and it's, again, it's a similar personality type to Mark Zuckerberg where he just goes, well, you know, we've done a lot and we're really, and there's like no emotion in his face. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm sure he does care, but I think people get frustrated because they just see, they don't see it. So it's like, he describes him as as an enigma, the interviewer describes him as an enigma. And I think Jack Dorsey of, like, all of these kind of guys really is. Like, his Wikipedia page is, like, non-existent. I know, I was really disappointed by his personal life section, which just basically tells you where he lives. Yeah. And that's kind of it. You don't know anything about what he does in his spare time, what his relationships are, what his interests are. And I couldn't decide whether that was because he doesn't really have much outside of his work no it's because he doesn't want us to know well exactly or if it was that yeah i think it's because he doesn't want us to know but then i also think is that fair enough in a way that this is his job and his job just happens to be incredibly public and we're so often looking for people to have that kind of human level to them and be a sort of celebrity style person oh i don't want him to be a celebrity but here we have someone who is totally unelected, who is shaping the course of of history, really. And we don't really know, like, it's just it's just interesting. I just don't think we've seen, I don't think we, like, at the, at the moment he's like, so he's got his company Square, which is like a mobile payments platform. And um, his bio on Twitter now is just hashtag Bitcoin. Yeah. So... So Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency, which is like the, basically an online currency, essentially, an, an, an internet currency, um, that now he's kind of promoting directly. The thing about Bitcoin is the value of it goes up depending on like how many people are talking about it online and how many people are buying it. And so he's now, with his company, directly responsible for or has such a massive influence with Twitter. So many people listen to him, especially the sort of people who would buy Bitcoin. And he is using his platform. He's using it for lots of other good things as well. He's using his platform to try and promote this currency, which he himself has billions of dollars in, I'm guessing, or millions of dollars in. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well. You can, if you look at his 
relationship with the American Civil Liberties Union. So he um, he match funded with his executive chairman um, five hundred thirty five a five hundred thirty five thousand donation to the American Civil Liberties Union in two thousand seventeen raised by Twitter staffers. So it their match meant that the total donation basically from Twitter plus Dorsey's uh, amount was one point five nine million. And if you look at the American Civil Liberties Union, I think it does kind of expose some of his positions on things. If you look at recently, they've kind of softened their approach a bit, but the way that Wikipedia describes it is um, basically they announced in 2017 that they would no longer defend hate groups protesting with firearms. So they st- they, they believe in free speech, and that includes they've been known to sort of defend Nazis, the Ku Klux Klan, the Westboro Baptist Church, which you might know from Louis Theroux's documentary, they sort of make a statement, it's easy to defend freedom of speech when the message is something many people find at least reasonable, but the defence of freedom of speech is most critical when the message is one people find repulsive. So it's interesting that he clearly is that sort of, that form of politics that defends freedom of speech beyond it being something that you agree with but then to the point where it is something that might be hateful and hate Mm. speech um and i guess the reason that he's able to create a platform like twitter when maybe we wouldn't be able to kind of create that and live with the ramifications of that is because he does have this ideology that genuinely believes free speech means people who are even hateful or you don't agree with have the right to a voice and a right to a platform and you're right you are completely right that it's in saying that he's unelected and by creating something with so much power of of giving people voice he's able to he's able to shape things to a point that even we can't understand yet mm. i just think that's that's no no different from lots of the other crazy millionaires that we that we billionaires sorry that we've done on the on the podcast in terms of in terms of what i find feel about him sort of more personally is that he looks great for his age he's hot (laughs) he is hot nice beard yeah he has great (laughs) eyes it's interesting his his public image kind of shifted in like the past four three or four years like if you look at like interviews with him like six years ago he was very like clean cut and like wore suits and stuff and he had a long-term girlfriend who i don't know how old she was but not as young as his current girlfriend um and then i think they split up and then he started seeing this model who's like 23 it's me by the way (laughs) grew the outdoorsman beard and started wearing a beanie to everything i don't know if maybe to i don't know it's i i always find it interesting when people with lots of power go out of their way to look like to go out of their way to look like they don't have power so he's like wearing this beanie and like I wonder if there's any kind of like PR spin on that or maybe it's just like a psychological thing of like oh well I have all this power but I don't want to intimidate people so I'll start wearing a beanie and you know interesting (laughs) 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm acting like he presents himself as really personable because you're right he doesn't actually like the whole thing is that he doesn't I just find that really I just find that really endearing and I find him a really small <laughs> person so I so I can't quite associate the fact that he's got so much power and wealth but actually you're right a lot of that is to do with the fact he wears a beanie hat and has a kind of goatee beard do you just feel sorry for men <laughs> oh my god you've cracked it they are very fragile you've cracked it You've, and also, I think you're right, you're right, because I was reading about when he tri- they tried to push him out of his own company. I don't know if you saw, and yeah. he, and there was a big battle where he got Elon Musk involved, his matey, and and I did feel, I felt, I, I suddenly thought of him as this very small, fragile person, mm. and actually he's just not, is he? And I'm projecting that onto him. I don't know lots about what happened there at Twitter. So, on February 29th, it was announced the activist hedge fund Elliott Management, led by billionaire Paul Singer, was looking to oust Dorsey and nominate four directors to Twitter's board, including Elliott's senior portfolio manager, Jeez Con, which looks like John Cleese the wrong way around. Dorsey received support from entrepreneurs Elon Musk and Ethereum co-founder Vatilik Buterin, amongst others. The two parties reached an agreement days later with Dorsey remaining the CEO. So I don't think... Because I feel like he does care more than Mark Zuckerberg, but that's not saying much. But there's interesting moments as well. And that's also just my personal opinion. from Twitter. His own account got suspended from uh, from Twitter on the 22nd of November 2006. And then after restoring the account, Dorsey tweeted that the suspension was due to an internal mistake. But to me, and maybe this is conspiracy theory, I just don't think you accidentally suspend the CEO of Twitter from Twitter. That looks like some kind mm. of internal hacking. Some moderator who's like really pissed off with their job just being like, I'm going to fucking suspend Jack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or it could have been one of his own algorithms like turning against him. <laughs> Who knows? Forming its own consciousness. <laughs> yeah, becoming self-aware. Yeah. Must kill father. <laughs> In 2019, his personal Twitter account was allegedly breached for nearly an hour by a group calling itself The Chuckling Squad, which I love, posting and retweeting numerous racist tweets, which I love a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> I think Oh, those end. Chuckling Squad boys <laughs> with their racism. Not as funny. Is that something to do with free speech, to do with... Twitter isn't acting fast enough. Was there a protest against that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, when you've got something like Twitter that has become a part of so many people's lives in the same way that 
reading and writing is like or watching tv like it's no wonder people have such strongly felt opinions about it because it belongs to them it feels as though it belongs to them and i'm sure that that's a sentiment that jack dorsey would agree with a bit because he says in talking about the history of the company that when they came up with the name twitter there was no there wasn't a word for tweet that was what the people using it came up with that the the message you post is a tweet of course it is that makes perfect sense of course it's a tweet but they didn't come up with that it was the people who used it that came up with it communism basically nationalized twitter <laughs> <laughs> I just feel so sad because when the internet was originally created, it was supposed to be for everybody, wasn't it? Yeah, that was what Berners-Lee wanted. Yeah, I'm so sorry we've let him down. Well, we haven't, but Jack Thingy, what's his name? <laughs> for God's I sake. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I don't think Dawson. you can remember my name some days. <laughs> it's handy Zoom shows you what my name is, isn't it? <laughs> I have found it so helpful for meetings. If there's a big group of people... You just, you don't have to remember what anyone's called. It's right there. Unless they're on their iPhone and it just says iPhone and then that makes oh, me cry. Oh, and then you're like, so iPhone. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Um. Did I tell you when I was at the Fringe and um, somebody that I know quite well, like well enough to definitely should know their first name, um, came up to me and I was with a group of people and I don't know why, I sometimes just panic if I'm the person responsible for introducing people to the group and he was wearing mm. a lanyard for underbelly so I pretended to look at his picture and went oh that's a goofy picture on your lanyard but secretly was looking at his name and then I introduced mm. him to the group and said hi guys this is my friend David and he was like it's it's Harry and I've borrowed my friend David's lanyard and I just said that as you were looking at the picture I just said that's not me that's David <laughs> doesn't that make you want to die <laughs> I'm so sorry, Harry. I do know you. I know your name. I just panicked. <laughs> oh, oh fucking hell. This is the kind of thing that when Jack Dorsey rules the world, human errors like this will be ironed out of existence and will all <laughs> just so. exist perfectly and no one will ever make a hilarious mistake. And won't that be fun? <laughs> That's a world I want to live in. The thing is, I'd have no anecdotes, but I'd be severely happier for it, I think. I'd feel <laughs> You'd like sleep better. better. <laughs> you won't wake up at 3am going, Harry! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you want to hear about the philanthropy? Yeah, if we can call it that. Sure. There are three, three things on his Wikipedia to do with his Great. philanthropy. Here we go. In March 2006, Dorsey fully funded about 600 Missouri public school projects registered by donors choose. I don't really know what that means. In, 2000, in October 2019, Dorsey donated 350000 to hashtag Teen Trees, a non-profit started by YouTuber Mr. Beast that pledged to plant 20 million trees by the end of 2019. I mean, come on. Are you joking? Is that all? That's all he's done up to now. And then this year... Whoop-de-doo, he's announced that he will move about a billion US dollars of his equity in Square, incorporated, just under a third of his total wealth, which is quite cool, to start small and to LSC and to relief programmes related to the coronavirus. He committed to funding COVID-19 relief, girls' education, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that one. It's about time I knew something. 
<laughs> Teach me to read. I'm being flippant. That's great. That is great. And health and universal basic income. He's really pro-universal basic income, which ties with that classic mentality yeah. of thinking machines should rule everything. But at least he's got an alternative um, solution, which is that we all get some money. Yeah. Just as, just for being alive. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice, especially right about now. Right about now. So he's made a big decision to support COVID-19. To support it in killing us all. Great. <laughs> Huge mood. Uh, yeah, so in terms of... The, the headline is that he's donated $1 billion to coronavirus relief. That's not that's not strictly true. What he's done is set up a foundation, essentially. He's kind of segmented off a bit of his wealth. And he's not giving it all away at once to help everyone instantly. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a company in itself which will be devoted towards trying to reduce some of the economic impact of coronavirus. He hasn't just gone around and given everyone 20 grand, which he probably could have done. Oh, imagine. That would be amazing if he just gave every person who had a Twitter account 20 grand. <gasps> we should pitch that to him. We're already going to be blocked and reported and deleted <laughs> after this. After we speak Wait, out. Wait, speak for yourself. I love him. Yeah, I made fun of his voice, so I'm obviously dead. <laughs> No, free speech means you're allowed to be a bully. Oh, yeah, that's true. It includes the Ku Klux Klan. It can include Tilly Steele. I think so. No, I think you are right, and I would like to retract uh, the parts of me that seemed in this podcast like I loved capitalism. But not the parts of us that would want to fuck Jack Dorsey, because let's face it, (laughs) I'm horny as hell, guys. (laughs) We've been inside for a long time now. Oh, my God, Tilly! We've managed to not talk about coronavirus at all during this episode. I know, I know. It was almost normal. I'm sorry, I just ruined it there. Yeah, but we had to talk about it because it came up organically in what we were discussing. Oh, it's bad, isn't it? Anyway, thanks for coming. See you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Bitchin', a podcast by Tilly Steele and Helen Monks. Our music is by Dave Cribb. And our artwork was designed by Luke W. Robson.